The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome in, Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Uh, Mark Slareth alongside my uh, co-host, uh, Mike Evans, producer Scott DeHuff. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Core Water, uh, perfectly balanced, pH balance, 7.4, matches your body's natural hydration level. I'll tell you what, crisp, clean, award-winning taste. You can get it at 7-Eleven or anywhere else that water is sold. That's Core Water. I'm telling you, I love this water. Always drinking Core Water. Check it out. That's Core Water at HydrateWithCore.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm I'm curious, Mark, yeah. is, is what I am. Because you having had the chance to play in three Super Bowls, mm-hmm. this week, this this is considered kind of the, uh, the, the dead week um, before everything gets going for the Super Bowl next week. But in many respects, can the Super Bowl be won or lost by how a team handles this week the preparation week it's really you know it's really interesting this is the week before the week right before you get there and i've I've handled that in two kind of separate different ways and obviously you know i i I had a chance to win my first one with the washington redskins super bowl 26 and then back-to-back championships super bowl 32 and 33 with the uh, Denver Broncos, but it's funny, this week in Denver was all about putting the game plan in, installing the game plan, and just honing the game plan once we got to the Super Bowl, and, you know, making sure there were no mistakes. Under Washington and Joe Gibbs, this week was about cleaning up technique. It was about going back to kind of training camp practices and, you know, and beating each other up a little bit, but cleaning up some of the technique and, and some of the things that fall by the wayside. Joe Gibbs' philosophy was, I want to install the game plan on Wednesday just like we would in during any normal week so that you guys don't get bored with it. Where Mike Shanahan's philosophy was, I want it already installed, and then I just want to hone it. I, I just want to be perfect in practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday when, when we get to the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, it worked both ways. There's no wrong answer. But I think for the most part, what you're doing this week or what teams are doing this week are they're putting their game plans in. They're they're taking it slowly, but they're putting their game plans in. And, and for the most part, working on those things. And I think because you have two weeks, you have a little bit more that you can put on your players' plates. So there may be, you know, you're, where you would normally put in your first and ten stuff, your base stuff, some of the things that you know you're going to run. You may stack a few more concepts in base today um, because you have more time to work on it, not only this week, but next week. But I, that's kind of the way I think teams do it. See, I would think you'd have to guard against – taking all this extra time to perhaps put too much in and to over-prepare. I mean, wasn't that always kind of the knock on Peyton Manning? I've talked to folks in Indianapolis about this, and the idea being that, you know, so many times he would carry the Colts and they'd have that first-round bye, and then they'd lose in part because he had too much time to prepare. 
Do, do you do you think that some teams fall into that trap? Wait, I got two weeks to prepare for a game. Sure, gives me a chance to put all kinds of uh, fun stuff into this into this uh, game plan. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that teams you know fall victim to that. I mean, there's no there's no right or wrong answer. For instance, but you know, I'm I'm a believer in keep it simple, stupid. I'm a believer in keeping doing what you do. Um, you know, and honing those things. But, yeah, I think that I think that certainly can happen, Mike. I think one of the things about Peyton Manning or a lot of coaches is they want their they, – they want an answer to every question. right? They're, they want answers on everything. And it's nice to have answers, right? It's nice to really have answers. Sometimes the answer is we're just going to call this damn thing and we're going to run it and we're going to out-execute you. Sometimes that has to be the answer. Sometimes – there, sometimes it's important not to have a check or not to have, you know, um, three different things you could do on a certain play. Sometimes it's just nice to call one of the huddle, walk up the line of scrimmage, snap the ball, especially when you're on the road or you're in crowd noise, and, and just to be able to say, man, we're going to live with the results of this play because we understand, you know, we understand ultimately, like, we know what we're trying to get to and how this play is going to help us. You know, I've been asked a bunch, Mike, about kind of the differences between Sean McVay and Bill Belichick. And and I think this is interesting because we see the differences outwardly. Like, we see the difference. Like, Sean is, is, you know, in a press conference. He's answering questions. He's a dynamic guy where Bill doesn't want to answer anything, right? And he is just like, on to Cincinnati, you know, right? I mean, the difference, the juxtaposition of their two personalities. But having played a, a, a bunch against Bill Belichick, having played for Bill Belichick in a, uh, in a Pro Bowl, he coached one of the Pro Bowls I played in, and having played uh, or having, having called three uh, Rams games and having met with Sean McVay three different times, I would tell you there's more similarities than there are differences. And one of the things that I think both of these coaches do exceptionally well and why their teams are in the Super Bowl is they have the answers for their guys. There's always a why. So when we run this play, this is the reason we want run this play. Here's the reason we want you to use this footwork. Here's the reason we want you to run the route at this depth. Here's the reason that our quarterback is going to set up at, at you know on a five step or a five step with a hitch. Here's the reason. So everything when you talk to their players, everything has a reason. And it's not just for that play, but it's a reason that we're running it because we're setting up not only that, but we're setting up X, Y, and Z after that. Here is the adjunct play-action pass that comes off of this look, off of this play, and here's where we're going to get them with this because when we hit them with that, the run play, the adjunct pass play that comes off of that, they're going to line up this way, and we're going to gut them on this. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Jared Goff in one of my meetings, and if you remember a Thursday night game against Minnesota, it was like a 38-31 game. It was just a battle. It was yep. a great game. You remember that game? Yeah, I think uh, what, Cooper Cup. Caught, like, two touchdown passes in that game? Right. He had one, like, 75 yeah. yards. Yeah. But but it was interesting because Jared Goff told me, he goes, listen, we went through this game plan. And he goes, everything, it's the first game plan I've ever gone through where everything my coach told me before the game kicked off came to fruition. He said, here's what we're going to get in the red zone. 
We're going to be in this formation. They're going to play cover four kick. So they show you a cover four, but they're going to kick it to the strength of the formation. So the one safety that would normally be paying a quarter is really playing the middle of the football field. And what we're going to do is we're going to get Todd Gurley matched up on Anthony Barr in this situation. We're going to hit him down the seam because that middle of the field safety kicked over. And it came exactly the way they, they lined it up. Then we're going to get in this formation. We're going to be running this play. The adjunct play to this is this. And we're going to get Cooper Cup matched up with Anthony Barr one-on-one on a, on a shallow cross. And and we're going to score on it. Like every single thing he said came to fruition. You know how much confidence that gives you as a player? I'll never forget Super Bowl 32. We're playing the Green Bay Packers. It's one of the great Super Bowls in the history of the Super Bowl. And we're a 13-point underdog, and we went into putting in the game plan. And Leroy Butler, like, led the world in tackles. I mean, he was in the backfield all the time. And I'll never forget Mike Shanahan showing us the film, showing us, like, play after play after play where you ran away and Leroy Butler came down on the backside and tackled your running back in the backfield. And you're just like, son of a gun. And nobody ever blocked him. And Mike Shanahan telling us, listen, we're going to make an exchange. We're exchanging the Will linebacker, Williams, because he has always walked out in the hip. He gets more di- more depth and a little bit more distance outside. We're going to run this out of nickel. Three wide receivers. Our slot receiver is going to be Eddie McCaffrey. Eddie, you're going to take the Will linebacker. He's going to become the safety. And inside guys, me, Habib, you know, our inside guys, you're going to treat Leroy Butler like he's the the Will linebacker instead of the safety. So we're basically exchanging. The Will linebacker is becoming the safety, and the safety is becoming the Will linebacker. And that's how we're going to exchange this thing, and we are absolutely going to gut these guys. Four quarters later, Terrell Davis missed. If you remember, he missed a quarter with a migraine, and he still had 150-plus yards rushing and was the Super Bowl MVP because – of that simple adjustment in a game plan that nobody else had made, and Mike Shanahan showed it to us, and he showed us a clip. There was like, I don't know, 20 plays. Look it. Here it is again. Here it is again. Here it is again. Here it is again. This is what we're going to do, and this is why we're going to gut them. And sure enough, the very first play of the game, we ran 18 handoff. Here comes Leroy Butler down. You're like, oh, my God, we got him. Like, your very first play of the game, oh, we're going to gut him. Like, that's what Sean McVay and that's what Bill Belichick bring to this game. It's about understanding the execution of this game plan is going to create opportunities for us as an offense, for a defense, and, and that's what sets them apart. That's coaching. But man. what you're describing, the whole bit about telling your player why, that seems so basic. That seems to make so much sense. It's so logical. Are you telling me most coaches, most coaching staff don't do that? Well, I, I think everybody kind of tries to tries to do it, but it's not to the depth or the level that they do it. At. And, and so, you know, it's it's we're going to run this. This is why we're going to run this. But it's more about it's not only why we're going to run it and how we're going to run it, but what it's going to set up, like what we're trying to attack, the the way we're going after these. And it's it's across the board. You know, talking to Sean McVay, he told me, listen, one of the things we did differently this offseason. Now, this is awesome because in the offseason, if you remember training camp, his starters didn't play. They didn't play in the preseason. And everybody was like, well, my starters aren't playing in the preseason? He's like, no, we got the same starting group, but all but I think the only guy that, that's different is Brandon Cooks. Everybody else has started. They, they're, they're very versed at, at what we do. 
We don't need to play those guys. So he didn't even play his starters in the preseason. And, you know, they, they didn't miss a beat. They were fine doing it that way. But one of the things he told me about the offseason that was different, that I thought was really cool, was he, um, he created what they call coverage school. And so it wasn't just about, hey, this is what they do in a cover four. This is what they do in a cover two. Here's what they do in a cover one versus cover three versus, you know, versus uh, cover eight. Right? Like, instead of, you know, discussing or just discussing that, it was like, okay, in this coverage, um, in this cover three, this 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 outside linebacker or this safety that's buzzing down, he is the curl flat defender. And the curl flat defender is going to get 12 yards of depth and his target is here. And that's who we're trying to manipulate in this particular, you know, coverage. So, you know, it was, it was about the depth of drops, where guys are supposed to be lined up, where, you know, they're supposed to get their heels at a certain depth and they're supposed to be, you know, one or two yards outside the numbers in that particular set. And so it was really not only about, about kind of what the coverage is, but where each guy is supposed to be and how we're going to manipulate those guys in these particular coverages. It was so in-depth and it was so interesting to listen to. It just made me want to go, you know, hang out with the Rams in the offseason and go to coverage school, you know? Like, I need that. I, I need to know that. Well, I need, that's great information to have. It explains why there's such a fascination when it comes to hiring coaches and offensive coordinators to find the next McVay or get somebody that's been around McVay or somebody that's been around young mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan. And coming off the championship weekends, I think this is happening in 30 NFL towns. People are like, okay, look at the Rams, look at the Patriots. What can we learn? How far, how close are we from being at that level? And one, one thing I, I learned is that, you know, all you hear right now is about systems and the McVeigh system and the uh-huh. Shanahan system, and let's try to tap into that. But yet, I look at a team like New England, and the hallmark of their success seems to be is that they don't necessarily have a system. They just go out every week with the idea of what do we need to do this week to best take advantage of the matchup we have. So they're a week-to-week system team, not just this overriding system. And isn't the best example, Mark, is that, you know, they lose those back-to-back games in December to Miami and Pittsburgh. Their offense looks really, you know, listless and, um, you know, Brady is getting hit a lot. And it, 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 it was remarkable because it almost seemed like they used the last two games of the regular season against Buffalo and, and the Jets at home, two teams that they knew that they would beat. And they said, you know what, we need to use these two weeks to get into – uh, a style that will serve us better in the playoffs, and that is really trying to get physical and run the football. They did that against Buffalo and the Jets, and what do you know? They've carried that into their games with the Chargers and especially the the Chiefs where they ran the ball 48 times. Have, have we seen, in the case of New England, a team that literally changed their offensive philosophy overnight? Uh, see, I don't I don't think they've changed it overnight. I think they, they are a, a week-to-week game plan team they try to attack your weakness, um, and you know they always say, "Hey, we want to try to make you play left-handed." So you know they try to attack your weakness, and you know, it, like they have staple plays that they're going to run. They're always going to run, you know, a, a, the wham block, and they're always going to run. There's certain things they're going to run some zone. This last week they ran a bunch of ISO, you know, and they attack linebackers with ISO and a fullback. But uh, to me, 
the 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 beauty of them is week to week they're going to run different things based upon you know based upon what they feel your weaknesses are which which takes Mike I'll ask you this which takes what like you tell me what that takes to be able to do that on the fly yeah. like that um you, you better have smart players yeah that's one you got to have smart players that, that that have the ability to adjust the other thing you have to have is unselfish players you know there's a lot of teams in the league that 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 if they did that for three weeks in a row, man, their diva wide receivers would be throwing a fit. I'm not getting enough action. You know, I you got to rely on me. I got to win. I've got to, you know, if you don't throw it to me, we're not going to win. I mean, you could be up 21-0. They're, they're screaming at halftime. Like, I haven't touched the ball yet, you know. I mean, they don't have selfish players. They understand the team concept. They understand the whys and how we're going to win, and the whys. And Tom Brady said it the best the other day in a press conference. I think maybe it was after the Chargers win. Is like they were asking him about statistics or something. He goes, I, yeah, I only really care about one thing, wins. Like, I, I just want to win. Um, and I, I think they have that. They have that within their organization. And, you know, it's one of the reasons that they don't, they don't pay wide receivers. They don't pay, you know, certain guys. They're just like, this is how we win. We have smart players, and we can adjust. In a day and age, Mike, where everybody wants to line up in three wides, 11 personnel, split out a tight end, have one running back. I mean, look at the Patriots. They just lined up in two tights, a fullback, a back. They they had one receiver on the field. I mean, they just lined up in, in – I mean, forget about, you know, 90s football or 80s football. They lined up in 70s football, and they said, here, we're going to go – we're just going to smash mouth you. Uh, now they did, you know, open up formations. They did put Gronk outside the numbers occasionally, stuff. But that's how they opened up that game, and they ate up almost eight minutes on a touchdown drive to open the game up. Basically said, "Hey man, we ain't letting your superstar quarterback with all your weapons. They ain't gonna beat us because they're not gonna be on the field." They had three drives. They touched the ball three times in the first half. When, when you start thinking about the average game is twelve to thirteen possessions. And you got three of them means you limited them. Now they they opened it up in the second half. They started connecting and stuff, and and they brought it back. But I don't know how many possessions they had, but they had three legitimate possessions. They they got the ball fourth time in the, but they got it with 21 seconds left, and and Mahomes got sacked, and so that one didn't really count. They really had three possessions in the first half. You know, you're, you're taking a a 12 possession game in the first half and you're making you know you're making it a three possession like that would average out to six possessions now they had more than that but you know what i'm saying this is this is who they are this is why they're that this is why they're you know in the super bowl again for the ninth time in the last 18 years all right well we'll be in atlanta next week but I'll, and i'll give you the chance to change your mind between now and and game mm-hmm. time but right now as we sit here rams patriots who do you like well, I mean, I, right as we sit here right now, I'll take the Patriots. Um, subject to change. Well, you say that pretty emphatically. I mean, they're they're only a two point favorite, and you know the Rams are the Rams. Yeah, yeah, they are. The Rams are a great football team, um, and it should be. I mean, it should be an epic game. But I still am. I'm, you, you said I'm going to give you a chance to change your mind. And then you try to change my mind right after I said I'd take the Patriots. <laughs> well, you just said it so emphatically. I mean, what's the reason for at least right now, subject to change? Why do you seem to believe so strongly in the Patriots? Um, they have this guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name is Tom Brady. Ah, yes, I should have known. He's the world's greatest American, I and known. he is devastatingly handsome. Uh huh. So. And just think, you're going to get a chance to be, like, right next to him on Monday night. Could 
you imagine? Can you imagine? You're going to be shy. Oh You're going to be shy. You're going to be kind of like, you know, like kind of kicking your foot on the ground oh. and looking up, looking down. And, right. You know, aw shucks type. Aw shucks, Tom. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could, yeah, I, I know, you know, I, don't, I, I probably, I probably just, I'll probably lose it. Probably should stay away. Yeah. Like restraining order types, stay away. Like. I mean, I might soil myself with excitement. <laughs> well, they do call you stink for a reason. It's not exactly like it, right, my it's friend. Not, it's not like it hasn't happened before. Oh, yeah, and it's not like it's not going <laughs> to I I don't know about you, but when I pack for a road trip, like how long are we going to be at the Super Bowl? Five days? Yeah. Six days? Yeah. I'll pack 12 pair of underpants. Oh, jeez. Like I expect, I, I pack oh, like I on. expect to crap my pants see, at least three times. See, you know, it's funny you bring that up, okay? Cause do you don't pack, does everybody I, pack I, like that? I always pack... An extra pair, mm-hmm. sometimes two, but yes, it'll always. I, I immediately when I'm getting ready to pack, I count the mornings. Okay, all right, one, two, three, four, five, six, and I pack seven. Okay, so but right, you, but you go one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, twelve. Yes, I go like how many days am I going to be gone? Oh, like I said, well, I'll take a couple extra pairs. Nah, I better throw a couple extra pair in there. Like it's almost like I just expect to you know soil myself and then. Walk casually into a bathroom and throw my <laughs> underpants away, <laughs> you know, and then then go commando for the rest of the day with little leaves in the gutter. <laughs> so, I mean, I, th- I think that's operate standard operating procedure I for most, isn't I, it? Well, it, it may be now for everybody who's listening to that. Listen and Come learn. On. You're a dude. Come on, you're packing extra underpants. Everybody does it. Everybody. On that note, we'll yes. see you in Atlanta. All right. Sounds good for everybody involved in the Stink Truth Podcast. We appreciate you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Core Water. And uh, we will see you from Atlanta. The Stinkin' Truth Podcast presented by Core Water. Subscribe to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and plenty of other podcast platforms.